Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Only Foals and Racehorses podcast with me, Ria, from Adventures in Black and White. In this episode, I'm going to just take you through my return to Newmarket and working at Dalham Hall and um, how I went about getting my visa and the fun and games that that entailed uh, ready for my trip to Australia. So this is going to be a slightly shorter episode than usual, but please Please do enjoy it. And yeah, let's go. So in the last episode, I discussed my reasons for returning to England. Well, I did enjoy my work in Ireland. It was all for the right reasons. So I was really quite sad when it came for my time to leave. As per usual for me, I decided that I would move country and start job the next day. So I have my um, very book. I think actually it might be my weekend off, but either which way, it was it was a big ask. Um, so my ferry book left my friends behind and set off back to England. Um, the ferry journey was relatively uneventful this time. Obviously, I've had a bit of a practice at it by now, but it was later on in the afternoon when we arrived back at Hollyhead. And I remember driving, I think I got near Birmingham on the M6, and at this point, for whatever reason, I was really, really tired. And I did hit the rumble strip on my ca- with my car. And at that point, I, I hurried into a service station, had a 20-minute nap, got some coffee, and then continued my journey to Newmarket, which was a fair old journey. Um, in a horse box now, that journey from Kildangan to Newmarket takes about 12 hours, just to give you some sort of idea of how far that is. So for the second time in my career, I was driving to Newmarket, the rearing horse welcomed me as I got there and I drove to Dalham Hall, which is another absolutely immense sight when you get there. It's so impressive. And at the time when I worked there, um, we could use both entrances. So there's two main entrances off, off Duchess Drive, um, one which is now called the Shakes entrance and no one's allowed to go there unless you are His Royal Highness. And then the main horse box entrance. So um, I drove through the main, what was the main entrance, which is now the Stokes entrance, and it's got ornate carvings, and the gates are really, really funky looking. And I thought, wow, here I am, I've arrived. I've been given a phone number for the guy that was going to be in charge of me, um, a chap called Matt Hill, who I think he went out to Japan. I don't know where he works now. I was told to give him a ring, and he met me at the gates, and I followed him to what was going to be my new house. And I was suitably impressed. It was a definite markup from Long Flat, that was for sure. It was actually where the Stallion lads lived, and they were all in Australia at that point. So I had the house, I was sharing it with one other girl um, who actually pretty much was never there. Um, so it was a four or five bedroom house with multiple bathrooms. We had a cleaner like that came in twice a week. And I just, I can't even begin to tell you how good having a cleaner is when you work like we did. But yeah, so he settled me in. I picked which room that I wanted to stay in and he'd left me with some milk, um, tea, coffee, bread, butter, which is just really nice that he thought to like, you know, get me in. Well, I think actually now no working there that property would have put that all out. But it was a really nice touch that there was at least some provisions when, when I got there and I didn't have to rush about going off to Tesco or anything because I was absolutely exhausted by the time I got there. Pointed out where I'd be working in the morning and said I'll see you there at seven o'clock. So it was quite different working um, at Dalham Hall to 
my life at Kildangan, the setup's really quite different. Um, I was there to do the mare sales, so I concentrated mainly in the areas where they had the mares. So I was at Dalham Hall, Hadrian, and then I would go down to Unite and summer is a little bit, but not so much. We started off by walking the mares, so um, I think I don't know if they do so much the hand walking now, but back then they did a lot of hand walking. So we've walked two or three lots of mares every morning. And this is just to get the mares sort of fit and ready, ready for the December sales. They weren't pregnant mares. These were all maidens. Um, so they, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't in foal. It was, it was quite nice because we walked all the way around the stud. And uh, sometimes we'd meet the stallions that hadn't gone to Australia come the other way. And that was a little bit intense. But actually, to be fair, the stallions were all really, really well behaved. So it, it was never a bother. It was the mares you had to watch. And uh, it was just like a normal type stud job. It wasn't massively exciting. Obviously, we had our aim and that we were going to the December sales. And, and the sales was something that I was really quite interested in. Um, it was interesting to see how they prepped the mares. I didn't, you know, I had no understanding of this walking. And I, um, I think they put them more on the walker now, but I thought it was a really good idea because it was good for the mares and they all got turned out. So, and then we, we did their boxes. The thing that was the, the strangest uh, I found going there was the working hours were fairly normal, but they had this system where you worked six days and then you had a day off and then was it no you work seven days and then you had a day off sorry so like one week you'd have Monday off then you'd have Tuesday off the next week then you have Wednesday off until you got to your weekend off and then you have a weekend off and they still do this now and it's a bit of a strange one I can see that it puts a lot of people off and it certainly was the biggest reason why I never went back as a stud hand or or on yards because for me at the time with a horse although I didn't have my horse was on loan um, when I was actually working there. But when I thought about the bigger picture a few years down the line when I needed a job, I could just say, well, you can only compete once every five weeks and then, you know, your family will want to see you and when do you go meet your friends? And, okay, you have days off during the week, but it's not the same. And actually, yeah, I just, yeah, it wasn't something that I could sign up to. So, and the irony being that when I worked there, I never actually got my weekend off because of the time period that I was there. The literally the weekend I finished was going to be my weekend off. So I never actually even got a weekend off. And then because we were so busy, we were um, paid overtime to work the morning of your your day off. So you only really got like a sort of half, three quarter for the day off. And you got paid for this. But again, you know, you never got a lie in that was kind of quite hard I found that really tough and especially because at that time I had a boyfriend and he lived in Newbury so because I was mad I would walk the mares in the morning of my day off and then I get in my car and I drive to Newbury so I was there by lunchtime and then we'd have lunch together I'd stay the afternoon stay the evening and then I'd get up at 3am to drive back to Newmarket so I was ready to start work the next day and I did that for five weeks which is crazy six weeks I don't think he came once but that's a whole different story another absolutely amazing thing about working at Dalham Hall was that not only did you have a cleaner 
but you also had a canteen that provided breakfast and lunch every day, which was absolutely just like a game changer. So I didn't have to clean and I didn't have to cook. And actually, I think it's it's a really good idea. Like a lot of the racing yards would sort of provide a, break, a cook breakfast. You know, when you're working hard outside and particularly in the winter when it can be really, really wet, then, you know, it's a really good idea to, you know, have hot food provided that's just no hassle so they did really look after us on that front but yeah so kind of like it was a lovely job really nice setup the horses were just immaculately cared for but I was not massively keen on the whole work week so um I was glad that I wasn't really staying there long term but it was good and it was good to see how other places operate um the sales team, when we got to the sales, were absolutely amazing. Like the way it was such a slick operation. We actually walked some of the maiden mares up there from Summeries. Um, again, they don't do that anymore because the traffic is just too horrendous. Um, but it just shows how much traffic and people's attitudes have changed because we did used to walk the horses there because it's quite a short journey from the bottom gate of some reason to tatter stalls there's no reason why you couldn't lead the horses there but of course you can't trust the general public to behave appropriately around horses anymore sadly so we box them all in now um but the sales was good it's an experience again it was just long days but we were well looked after so um it was all good and i left at the end of it all thinking well this is quite you know, this is, you know, it was a good experience and I'm glad I did it. And I really enjoyed working for the company. Obviously, when I got back to England, I also had to sort out my visa because I was going to Australia. So I did want to talk about this quite a bit. There's there's various ways you can get into Australia. And ironically enough, even though it's a colony, it's really quite hard for us Brits to get there. And it's just as hard for them to come here, which I think is ridiculous. But that's the way it is. So I'd looked into this when I knew that's where I was going and I had a number of options available to me, one of which was the working holiday visa. Um, and at the time you could get a working holiday visa for up to a year um, or it might have been two years. I think it was a year as long as you were under the age of 30. But the only proviso of the working holiday visa was you couldn't stay anywhere longer than three months. Now, as I got to Australia, they did explain that they bent the rules on this. So if you work for a big enough company, say like Coolmore, they would literally just move your your payroll like to a different department. So it looked like you were in a different job, you know, so you could stay somewhere for six months, which is fair enough. And I, I thought, OK, it's bending the rules, but that's fair enough. Uh, but I didn't know that before I went out. And then the other option was that you could um, have a educational visa because obviously I was at university and I thought there's a good chance that I want to go back to Australia at some point. Um, obviously, I was only 21. Yeah, 21 at the time. So I thought, let's go for the educational visa, which meant I could have actually stayed in Australia for two years in the same place and not gone anywhere and not even done any studying, just stayed there just because I was enrolled to a British university. Uh, so I used that. It cost a bit of money and the company I went through, I had to go and do an interview where I had to go and bandage a horse's leg and put a head collar on and brush it. And I was like, okay. I don't know how this is, you know, helping, but obviously I went through the motions. I paid my money 
and then I got approved for the visa and that was all great. I had to send my passport off to the embassy to get it all stamped up and they put a little visa in your passport and uh, I was a little bit nervous about sending my passport off because in amongst all the other things I was planning on while I was back I was also planning to go on a skiing holiday in France before I went to Australia because that's what you do with my other half. So I sent off my passport and I was there thinking, oh, how long is this going to take? Obviously, it's near Christmas time as well. And I was like, I just need my passport. And we were debating because like, you, you shouldn't really need your passport to go. Like, you don't need your passport to go to Ireland if you're on the ferry, but you do to France. And while we thought we could wing it, we were like, no, there's no way. And I was panicking and literally my passport arrived the day before we due to, we were due to go to France. Um, we were going in a car, so it was not quite so hectic as you know having flights booked. But it was like, yeah, just don't do things like that. Don't apply for a visa, send your passport off and think you're going to be able to go on holiday because that was so stressful. And yeah, I yeah I went I went off skiing. The the most one of the most dangerous things you could do. We went to the south of France with him and his kids, which is a whole different story. We're not going to get it to. And I think that was the first time I ever felt like fear about if something went wrong, it was going to ruin the plans I got coming up. Um, so I do remember being on a ski slope, and it was. Yeah, I, I I was terrified because I, I actually someone did hit me that time. Someone um, skied into the back of me quite badly, and um, yeah, it was not a great experience. Again, possibly not the best thing to be doing just before you think you're going to go the other side of the world. I funded my air ticket to Australia by selling my horse box, so I didn't need it, and. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't going to like being sat for a whole year. So I had always intended to sell it to fund this ticket. But, you know, that was a big deal. And sadly, I've never been able to afford one since. So uh, unless this podcast takes off, uh, I'm definitely not going to afford one at the moment. But yeah, the things you do. And um, it was, it was, you know, sometimes the sacrifices you make at the time, it was really hard, but it was well worth the outcome of it because, um getting that plane ticket to Australia literally changed my life. Um, while I was at Dalham Hall with my mares, I did keep in touch with the people that I'd been working at Kildangan with. And Lynn, my Swedish friend, she'd moved on. Um, she decided she wanted to go back working with National Hunt Horses again. So she had taken a job up in the north of Ireland, in Northern Ireland, with Points Pointers. As time was going on, I could tell that she was really quite wistful and I said to her well why don't you come to Australia with me you know it, it seemed mad because we'd only just met like three or four months before and you know we just lived together but I just thought oh yeah you know it, it'd be it'd be a good idea and it'd be nice to have someone to go on this adventure with and and I'm really pleased because she thought about it and then she was like yeah yeah let's do it let's go um and Lynn is infinitely better with her finances than I am, um, being very well organised in Swedish. And so she got her act together 
and she had the money she bought her tickets we got on the same well I think we bought our tickets together in the end and then um, she was going to go out on a working holiday visa and see if she could just wing it and she did so that was fine um, but yeah the, the it, it got really quite exciting then you know to think that I was going to have a friend to go all the way over the other side of the world with so um, yeah and it it's my big drum that I do bang now that if you you know work with horses you should take that opportunity to see where it can take you and with thoroughbreds you can work all over the world and people will give you jobs like I had no problem getting a job in Australia and anyone should try it you know if you want to grow just just do it just go and experience like life and other cultures and how people do stuff and if you don't like it go home but I would really encourage anyone under the age of 30 to at least try and work in another country because it does really, it it widens uh, your knowledge of like work and, and horses and horse skills and just people. And obviously going to Australia was a massive stretch and was very, very different to working in Europe. And there you have it, guys. That's the end of episode seven. It's a little bit shorter this week, but I'm just getting back into it after a break. So I hope you enjoyed it. And of course, this was always going to be a little bit short because it's a bit of a filler before the excitement that is my trip to Australia. So don't forget, put a reminder on, subscribe, and um, let's see you next week. Bye-bye.